Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hi, everybody. I'm Sandy Weiner, the Chief Love Officer at LastFirstDate.com. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, where we believe it is never too late for love and that a woman of value naturally attracts the respect and rewards she deserves in life and in love. And speaking of woman of value, have you gotten your copy of my new book yet? It's called Becoming a Woman of Value. And uh, its subtitle is How to Thrive in Life and Love. It's available on Amazon in Kindle and paperback. So head on over there, get your copy, and please don't forget to leave a review. This week's tip on becoming a woman of value is lean back. Every week I bring you a tip and lean back is one of my favorites. I think we as women, I know that when I was married, I tended to do too much when my husband wasn't giving me enough. So I would overperform, overfunction. And so if you're an overfunctioner, the way to get what you want is to stop doing it all, ask for what you want, and then lean back and give someone an opportunity to step up. So that's what I mean by lean back. So if you would like to take on the challenge of the week, if you are an overperformer and an overfunctioner, this is your opportunity to ask for what you want, delegate out, and then lean back and see what happens. And um, if you are a woman over 40 and you're looking for lasting love, come to our Facebook group. It is free, it is fantastic, and it's called Your Last First Date. And now for our guest, Dr. Larry Waldman. He is a clinical forensic psychologist. He consults, he teaches grad, graduate counseling courses. He speaks professionally on parenting and relationship, and he writes articles and self-help books on those topics. His many books include Who's Raising Whom, Coping with Your Adolescent, How Come I Love Him But Can't Live With Him, The Graduate Course You Never Had, Too Busy Earning a Living to Make Your Fortune, Overcoming Your Negotiophobia, and his latest book, Love Your Child More Than You Hate Your Ex, What Every Divorced Parent Needs to Know. Welcome to the show, Larry. Well, thank you. Uh, my mother would love that introduction. <laughs> well, you're quite prolific. Were you raised to be a, an overfunctioner? <laughs> uh, kind of. Uh, actually, I was um, uh, the, the first son followed by three daughters, and and my, my parents basically said, uh, as I was growing up, you know, you're a strapping young guy and you seem to be able to take care of yourself. So uh, good luck. Uh, we're going to focus on the girls. So, so I had to learn to kind of do it myself. And actually, they did, me a, they did me a favor. I so agree. I mean, we don't want to leave our kids in the lurch and just go, hey, you're off on your own. But there is something so important about that message. And we're probably going to touch on it a little more today. but. Just building responsibility in others. I'm such a big proponent of that in my parenting. My kids are grown now, but they're all here during Corona. And uh, two of them, two out of three are here. One is married with children. And it's just the, the best thing you can give your kids is the ability to be responsible for themselves and others. And teaching them life skills, how to cook, how to clean, how to take care of the bank account, all those things. And I, I was listening to a, an interview the other day with Dan Levy, who is uh, Eugene Levy's son. He's an actor in a very popular show called Schitt's Creek. 
Um, sure. Yeah. So he was talking about how his father raised him to be responsible. And when he was 16, he went to the Gap. His father dropped him off at the Gap and said, don't come home until you have an application to work at the store. And he became like a, a store manager. And he said it was the best thing ever. So we're going off on a tangent now, but <laughs> let's go back to the topic. <laughs> um, the, so the topic is about loving someone, but not being able to live with them. Um, can you explain a little bit more about how that's possible? Well, it starts with uh, the beginning of the relationship, of course. Um, and that's something I, I, I want to actually uh, focus on. Uh, in, in that uh, we start to fall in love with love, if you will. And so the emotions take over uh, and we, we get connected and we get that attachment. But uh, unfortunately, sometimes some of the other important factors that are important in sustaining a relationship uh, aren't considered until later when the infatuation is worn off and now we're seeing him or her uh, for who they really are. Uh, as, as I've said uh, in a couple of my books, uh, and, and of course, I've been a long-term therapist. I probably have seen, without exaggeration, 750 couples in, in my 45 years of, of clinical practice, that we couple too quickly. I can't tell you how many times uh, couples that I'm working with who are struggling, uh, when I talk about their history or ask about their history, basically say, well, you know, we met at a party, we met at a bar, uh, we slept together the first night or the second night, we moved in within two months. Uh, if I haven't heard that, so help me God, a hundred times, I haven't heard it once. Uh, and, and what that tells me is, is that the per you haven't had sufficient time to Vet your partner. Um, I used to tell clients, uh, you know, check his or her credit rating. They go, what? Uh, and I'd say, yes, that's important. How they manage money is important. Uh, yeah, I know they might be good in bed, but that doesn't cut it uh, for the long term. It's nice, of course, uh, but if they're going to spend money foolishly or have no idea how to manage it, uh, that relationship's going to be in trouble. So to start with what happens in a nutshell is that we fall in love and then we try to pick up the pieces. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the articles that, of mine that's gotten a fair amount of traction was entitled Forming Our Relationships Backwards. And, and in it, I, I, I kind of talk about a pyramid about how I think relationships ought to be formed, you know, starting with, all right, does this person have similar values? Do we have similar interests? How do we communicate? Uh, what you know, do I see good things about their family, uh, and so on? H how does he or uh, he or she uh, uh, manage uh, distress? Uh, how willing are they to compromise, and all things like that? And at the top, of course, is passion. That's the way I see it. Unfortunately, the way most people form their relationships is they they form it the opposite way. First. Oh, he or she's great in bed. Wonderful. Let's get going. And, and there's other things like what about similar values and similar interests and how do they manage your money and how do they manage distress and how willing are they to compromise and all those things 
that really portend a long-term relationship, we, we kind of leave to, you know, to check later. And thus, uh, the title of the book, I love him, but I'm having trouble living with him. And it starts from the get-go. So many people get blinded by the passion, like they don't even see the, the issues or they see them and excuse them. And that's primarily why I see it all the time in my practice as well. It is, it is really one of the biggest issues. Um, so, so what is love? I mean, so we call it love, you know, is it love if we just are passionate and have great sex? <laughs> well, it, it's certainly part of it, of course. Um, as I'm sure you're aware, I mean, love actually causes a, a change in our brain, brain chemistry. I mean, uh, <clears throat> we, you feel differently when, when you're in love. Uh, the world looks brighter and so on. And all those are good things, and that's a good thing to have. But, but we need to keep our senses uh, with us as well and, and take a good, hard look um, at... Uh, at the uh, at the basics, the things we, we just just talked about. Um, I, I read something just recently. I've been doing so much of it now since Rome a lot. Um, uh, where where this uh, woman talked about the relationship you know, failed after all these years, but noted just in passing that he got drunk on their first date. Duh. <laughs> Isn't Warning. <laughs> this isn't red, but come on, you know, <laughs> red flag, you know, uh, what does that say? And of course, you know, alcoholism paid a, a, a paid, played a significant uh, role in, in their tumultuous relationship. And, and it was there from day one. Um, we, we have to look at, at these important things and we have to go slow. Um, you know, a lot of people can put on a, a good face for a date or two or even three. Uh, but if you're watching and listening uh, and so forth before long, uh, you'll, you'll get to know who he or she is. And you yeah, it's really, it's so true. It's like, how do you listen though? Like a lot of people don't have the radar tuned in, you know, so they, especially if they grow up with a very tumultuous family and they don't really know what so-called normal is. So what would you say to those who kind of feel something might be off, but do I have a right? I, I see this in my group all the time in, in your last first date. Do I have the right to ask for what I want? Um, and we just had a, a question today where a woman's dating a man who um, he, doesn't have the same custody issue as she does, um, where she has her kids certain times, his is more fluid. And so she wants to find out, like, can we plan in advance? And he's not a planner. She feels bad asking him to schedule. And so like when you take a situation like that, where she's unhappy, she's wondering, is this my ancient attachment style? Am I insecure? Am I this? Do I have a right to ask what I want? How would you address something like that? Well, this gets at another you know, very basic uh, issue in uh, what sustains marriages, uh, and that is, you know, how do we address our concerns? Um, <clears throat> no marriage is perfect. No person is perfect. 
You know, we all come with our issues and every marriage has some issues, of course, some bigger than others, obviously. Some issues are what I call deal breakers, you know, like getting drunk every night. Uh, that's probably a deal breaker uh, and so on. But they, they come with issues and the problem is, and it gets back to what you said, uh, depending on where we where we came from and, and how we were raised and so forth, many of us don't have the skills to to deal with those issues. So, what I've experienced uh, in uh, in my professional practice is that uh, it it happens uh, it happens two ways. One, uh, we see a concern, but we stuff it. Uh, we don't want to cause a fight uh, because that's happened a lot anyhow. So we don't want to cause another fight. So we just stuff it and sit on it. But then sooner or later, we explode. And, and now we're ranting and raving and screaming. And of course, that doesn't solve anything because uh, now we're, we're acting like such an idiot. Uh, no one's going to listen to us at that moment. Uh, on the other hand, uh, wh what happens is that uh, we get very aggressive. You know, we, we pound the table, we yell and scream, and we demean our partner uh, about what's going on. And that, of course, causes our partner to become defensive uh, and, and basically want to protect themselves rather than focusing on the relationship. And, and that's what I often stress with my, with my couples and my partner couples, certainly in my own relationship of 48 years. Um, and as of at least this morning, she still liked me. So <laughs> <laughs> can't tell you what now, but no, it's, um, <laughs> um, it is, is, you know, the relationship is foremost. And, and so the, one of the things I, I, I talk about is that you know, we have a right to deal with our concerns. Absolutely. We have to, and, and, and what strengthens a relationship is the ability to manage our issues. Unfortunately, most relationships are limping along because they have you know, all these issues that have never gotten resolved. I refer to them as bear traps. And so that you can be having a nice day or whatever, but let's say the mother-in-law calls and the trap closes. Oh my God, there, there's it. And there we go. And now you're in it again. And we know what happens. There's, there's a no win. It doesn't end well. The only way the arguments end is if uh, the designated loser, you know, says, okay, I'm sorry, and walks away. Um, so nothing gets resolved. Uh, and, and the issue here um, is that, yes, you have every right in the world uh, to want to address your concerns, but we have to address them appropriately. Uh, one, I recommend make an appointment. Don't ambush your partner. You know, I'm sick and tired of this. And, and no, you know, to sit down with your partner and say, you know, dear, um, I'm a little, you know, I, I'm getting a little frustrated with X. Um, perhaps tomorrow at dinner, uh, could we take 15 minutes just to talk about so-and-so and such-and-such? -and -such? I'd like to see if we could come to some kind of, here's the magic word, 
resolution, okay? Where we could resolve the concern so that both of us are okay with it. Um, we, when, we, when we're kids and we think about marriage, we think, you know, we're going to live in a castle and there's going to be a king and a queen and we're just going to live so happily and every issue is going to be resolved perfectly. No, it's not. Uh, or, or they're not going to be resolved perfectly. I, one of my articles that I've written on my website, by the way, uh, which is available, uh, is entitled, uh, find, you know, Finding Okay is Great. Um, it's, you know, if a couple can take an issue and both be okay with it, we're good. It's done. We don't have to fight it anymore. Um, I like to say some couples are arguing in the rest home, if they make it that long, about some of the same issues that they had when they first met. Yeah. We need to put those to rest. Yeah, it's such an important topic because how we argue defines our relationships. And I remember reading Gottman's books on arguing and it was like a light bulb went off as to why my marriage failed. You know, we, we argued terribly and it's something that I teach now because it's, I'm so passionate about it. And, you know, the intention, which is what you discussed, the intention is to form resolution, to find something that works for both, not for you to hear me so that I can prove to you that I'm right, which is how most people go into arguments, right? Exactly. To win. Yeah, to win. It's not only to be right, but to win. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, and you lock horns and, you know, we're going through, as we're taping this, it's, it's during a very tumultuous time with racism and COVID-19 ending, but not really. And, you know, it's like a hot box. And it's been interesting to hear how people navigate that conversation because it is a controversial topic. And it's not about right or wrong. It's about being willing to make mistakes. It's about being willing to have your voice heard. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of things other than right or wrong thinking. And being able to be open to a conversation is hard for a lot of people. Sure. You know, it's very powerful if you're in having a discussion and so on, and finally to say, dear, what could we do here to make this work for both of us? Mm -hmm. It's not, damn it, you're wrong, you don't know what the heck you're talking about, and so forth. Yeah. No, I mean, <clears throat> And, and I, I, I admit, I think husbands are, are particularly bad at that. When the wife brings a concern and the first reaction the husband has is, oh, you're crazy. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> Not effective. <laughs> exactly. To tell someone that their concerns are ridiculous, you know, you're, you're, you're really saying something terrible that you know what is concerning you is of no importance to me and that's not a good message to have in a partnership yeah. no you feel invisible and you feel that you don't matter and that is one of the most important human needs is that we matter and that we we are seen and heard so doing it the right way you have a much more successful union and that brings me to the next question which is about people who get married a second time and fail again. 
And I've seen this over and over where people remarry and the same issues come up. You know, I've, I've even seen it in my own family where, you know, oh, this person was such an idiot. <laughs> just, and then the second husband looks nothing like the first husband, doesn't on paper look the same, but it's the same complaints, it's the same arguments, it's the same thing. So yeah, I'd love to hear from you. What are some of the key reasons why second marriages fail? Well, it, it is very, very common. Um, again, uh, starting from the beginning, uh, the same uh, haste uh, operates once again. Uh, uh, as, I, as I say in my latest book, uh, I attended a, a workshop uh, uh, provided by a family law judge a while back. And, and he said something that, that really uh, caught my attention, which was, it was his experience that the majority of his uh, clients, if you will, uh, in other words, people who were coming in to sign their final divorce decree, already had a committed partner on their arm. So uh, what, what we're, what's happening, uh, again, uh, I, I obviously talked about how we form our initial relationships way too quickly. We're doing it again in our, in our subsequent relationships. Now, I get it. I, I, I understand, you know, if you're in the midst of a divorce or, or you've been rejected by someone you once loved, uh, it, it doesn't feel good. You know, your self-esteem's uh, tarnished. I, I, I understand. <clears throat> Excuse me. And when someone else starts paying you attention and starts you know, giving you signals, hey, you're attractive. You, know, you seem like a nice person. Oh, my God, that's like cocaine. I mean, I want more of that, you know, and so on. So here we go once again, and we rush into a, another relationship. Uh, but, of course, we haven't learned anything. Uh, we haven't learned anything about ourselves. Um, you know, again, uh, having seen hundreds of, of couples um, and thousands of, of individuals, I, I, I've yet, uh, I, I've said this in one of my books as well, I've, I've never heard somebody say, well, you know, I, I'm recently divorced and I have to tell you, uh, I am substantially responsible for the demise of that relationship. I, I'd fall off my chair if I heard that. You never hear that. What, what you always hear is the person is walking away with the mindset that their, their dissolution was 99% their partners. And they were the innocent victim. They had nothing to do with it. Uh, well, <laughs> right. I'm not saying it was 50-50, you know, it could have been 60-40, maybe even 70-30, could even have been 80-20. I, I don't care. The percentages aren't important. What is important is that you played some role in the divorce. At the very minimum, you may have allowed a bunch of crap to occur. So you might fault the other person uh, you know, for causing the divorce, but you still played the role because you allowed it. So, and, and again, if, if we don't take time to, to educate ourselves and get some therapy, in fact, 
I recommend that if you've left a long-term committed relationship, you should be in therapy for about a year before you put yourself in another long-term committed relationship. So you understand why the first one failed and not take all of those dynamics and stick it into the second one. And before long, guess what? We're gonna have a second one that fails as well. You bring up a lot of really important points. One is the vulnerability in the end of a relationship where you're grabbing onto attention and the things that we're missing. And you can often look for somebody with the opposite qualities of the person you were with and you think, oh my God, this is exactly what I need. I'm getting attention. So I've seen that happen. And I've also seen people who remarry 10 years later, but they still haven't done the work. So both of those pieces are important. The work piece, really knowing and owning your share in whatever happened. And, and people really struggle with this because it feels like blaming and it's not. It's really that if you have tolerated crappy behavior, then you played a part, like you said. And so set some boundaries, learn how to set boundaries. I mean, my boundaries course is launching again in the middle of June. We teach this because of these kinds of issues. People don't know how to speak up. They don't know how to set boundaries. They don't even know how to identify any of this stuff. So getting support is so important. We can't know, we can't see what we can't see. Um, so yeah, learn new skills, learn new tools, learn you know what is your pattern in relationships and who do you pick over and over again? Um, exactly. I, you know, it's, it's just such critical work. Um, first, first marriages, well, all marriages, of course, you know, have stumbling blocks. Uh, I, I've already you know, alluded to it. Uh, money, you know, money is always a major issue. Sex often is an issue. In-laws can be, can be an issue. The kids can be an issue. And, and, and that's what plagues first marriages. Well, you, now in a second marriage, you've got those same issues but now they're complicated. So the money issue, for example, well, you know, now the, the, if you're a woman and the man you now see, he's likely been re also divorced himself, now he's got some child support to pay and maybe some spousal maintenance issues and, or to pay as well. And so now we've got more money issues. Uh, that's complicated. The sexual issue, well, possibly. Uh, there was we know there's always there was someone before you um kids oh my god uh kids are a real major obstacle in second marriages because now you have stepkids uh and and so on uh and and how you know you may have had an issue with your with your first partner about how to raise the kids now you've got somebody who's coming in later oh and now you have to work that out with, with him or her, not to mention, of course, uh, you have an ex out there who wants contact with those kids who may or may not be supporting this current relationship. And unfortunately, because I did a lot of forensic work in, in my practice, there have been numerous cases where exes are still angry and they wanna sabotage the second relationship by coaching the kids to not 
react well to the new person. And that creates huge issues. And then let's not forget the in-laws. Um, <clears throat> all right, so you get divorced, you now have another partner. Well, you can't just ignore your ex-in-laws. I mean, they have a right, and as a, and as a grandparent, I believe strongly in this, fortunately not divorced, but, uh, but as a grandparent, I, you know, my relationship with my three grandchildren, uh, I mean, is my partly is a major part of my world. And if I lost that, and being the parent of the father puts me more at risk. Now, thank goodness, both my sons are happily married, and I think we're solid there. But being the but being the parent of the son often puts you at risk, where you might lose that relationship with your with your grandkids. So you have that. Plus, now you have the in, now you have the parents of the new partner. So it starts getting very, very complicated. So yes, aside from not doing your homework and getting in, getting, you know, getting into it too quickly, you've got all these other issues to negotiate. And that explains why second marriages fail today at two out of three. Mm, that's high. But if you do your work, I'm oh, yeah. sure that the odds get a lot better. And Absolutely. So all of these things that you bring up, money, sex, in-laws, kids, they are all things that can be negotiated if you know how to argue right and not in a way that I'm right, you're wrong, and I have to win. And so um, this, this tool of how to fight right is such an important thing. And I used to, years ago, I went out with men who said, I had the best relationship with my wife and unfortunately she died. We never argued a day in our marriage. And I never trusted those men at all. <laughs> you are so, you had, you either had a really dishonest relationship where you didn't really have a truthful conversation because everybody disagrees um, or people are so conflict averse. They're so afraid of talking about fighting like it's a disease. And I, I want to know, you can have an argument and you can be kind in the argument and you can not have to make it all about you and you know just not getting defensive not protecting not saying it's you know me versus you makes all the difference so speaking of which um if we can end with some keys to fostering a healthy relationship what would you say are some of the things people should be looking for and moving towards well, obviously, I've, I've said it a lot. Is you know, if you can select the right person, I mean, do do your do your due diligence. I mean, I I, I say in my 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 latest book that uh, uh, some people actually spend more time you know choosing their their new iPhone uh, and researching their iPhone than they do researching their next partner. Uh, we we have to do that. Uh, check their credit rating. You know, uh, look at their family at, uh, and so on. I mean, if you see you know, his or her parents screaming at each other over dinner uh, and so on, I mean, the, again, red flag. Uh, you got, so choose the right person. Um, go slowly. Uh, but in the relationship, uh, as, as you've already described here, uh, don't be risk adverse you know, to dealing with issues, but focus on compromise. 
you know, nothing's ever perfect. No relationships are perfect. You know, you married this person. If you've done your work, you know what he or she's good at. You know what they're not. You know, they're a norm, they're, it's called a human being. You know, learn to accept. You know, uh, you know, my wife teases me about you know, my, my obsessiveness sometimes, although she likes that I keep the place clean. Uh, but you know, at, at the same time, you know, I might tease her a little bit that she's forgetful and so forth. So I got to turn off some lights. All right, I can live with that. You know, so acceptance. Um, and again, argue constructively. Uh, I, I can't stress that enough. Set an appointment. Frame it that we're not looking for right or wrong, good or bad. We're, we're looking for resolution. If we can go into that from that perspective, use these notions. You know, how does that work for you? I'm okay with this. Does that work for you? What do you need to make it be okay? Those kinds of statements are, are so healing, and that's what makes a relationship really, really work. The passion's great, yeah, yeah, I, I get that, uh, and so on. But if, if you believe that your partner cares as much about you as you care about them, and maybe even more so, and they care about your feelings, and you care about their feelings, and you're willing to work out any concerns they bring to you, you are on the right track. That sounds beautiful. Really good skills, really good tips uh, to forge healthy relationships, no matter if you're getting married for the first or the second or the fourth or the whichever amount of times. Uh, you know, learn from your experiences and, and this, is, this is great advice. So thank you so much, Larry. And tell us how people can find you. Well, thank you. Uh, my uh, <clears throat> website is topphoenixpsychologist.com. It's got all my articles uh, there. You're, you're welcome to uh, download them. I've probably 40 of them or, or so, including some of the articles I've talked about, about how to fight fair. Also, all my books are available there as well. You, and you can also get them uh, at, at Amazon as well. Uh, I, I welcome an email as well if you would like to carry the discussion out a little further. Uh, my email address is Larry Waldman, PhD at coxcox.net. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and for doing this important work in the world. We need lots of people like you to help guide us. So thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. You're welcome. Thank you everyone for listening today. And if you love our show, please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to join Your Last First Date, the fantastic group on Facebook, and buy my book. How to, uh, how to becoming a woman of value, how to thrive in life and love. We hope you go on your last first date very soon.